0: everyone, welcome back to another Dadcast. I'm your host Timon. This is my podcast. It's not really my podcast. It's kind of both our podcast. It's really your podcast. This is the Dadcast. You're listening to... It, you came up with the idea.
1: That's true. You take all the accolades, man. Well, I mean, yeah, I'll take them.
0: But- um, <laughs> well, well, you're listening to a podcast on the Timmon's Podcast Network, and this is the Dadcast. I never know what to say when I'm trying to like tell people what this is. It's, like it's weird.
1: Yeah, it's weird stuff. It's, oh, that's so weird. If you can do mine better. Okay. You, oh, you want to open mine? Yeah. How about this one? Oh, okay, you give me that one. Okay. We're opening up. Uh, oh, you um, got to get it closer. There you go. <laughs> I helped. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> uh, yeah, Timon right. has three different kinds of venues. He has he has a show with Lincoln. The Timon and the Lincoln show. It's a it's more entertainment. And we've got a fly that's ticking me off. And then we've got, and then t- not we, but Timon has a a long form podcast, podcast where he he takes somebody and interviews them, and they they go pretty in depth into whatever subject they're on. And then this, whatever this is, yeah, well, has a dead cast. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. And what are we drinking? We're drinking water. Water. Yeah, we're drinking because ginger this- ale because
0: this is a sermon. We're gonna do a sermon today. Product of Fort Collins, Colorado, from New Belgium, the Belgium collection. Triple, triple?
1: yeah. It's a triple IPA. Uh,
0: no, this is definitely like a. It's a ale. Ale brewed with spice. Yeah, it's. It's nice. It's a Belgian style ale. Yeah, it's very tasty. Yep. Uh, you're supposed to serve it at forty-eight
1: to fifty degrees Fahrenheit. Yeah. You don't do I'm, that. Do I'm you? not that. Uh, yeah, I just have the fridge out in the out in the uh garage. garage. Yeah.
0: It works. Yeah. It's tasty. Well, we got a good I mean, it's not really gonna be us bantering this podcast. Um I mean there will be some of that, right? Well, we're gonna get into some questions. Leave it to like. you. You're gonna have something at the end. We just don't know what it is. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we, that's how it always goes. Yeah. We just kinda yeah. fly by the seat of our pants. Yeah. Uh shout out to one of our newest listeners, Whitney Eads. Oh, really? Yeah, she, was, she said she's just been loving it. I interviewed her husband, TJ. That was Go back great. and listen to that podcast. That's, TJ was great. Chris Howell great. Yeah. Maynard's Maynard great. Oh, All man. of them. I, I don't mean to leave Ian, anybody out. Come Ian. With, yep. Yeah, there's been some really good podcast. Uh 10%. 10%. Yeah, I'm going to get We that. need to get them to listen
1: to the dad cast. I, uh, yeah. Yeah. That's something They'll point. freak out.
0: They are coming out with a new album. And so we are going to be podcasting um, in like a week. Oh, really? About their new album. So, yeah. If I show up, they'll probably apologize every time they swear. Yeah, that's okay. (laughs) (laughs) That's totally fine. As long as they say, sorry, Dad. Yeah, they're good. That's good. I'm all right with that. Yeah, they can say anything they want as long as they say, sorry, sorry, Dad. Dad. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. That's right. It's like a covering. It's like a (laughs) sacrificial. It's like as long as
1: you tell somebody you're going to lie, you can lie right after you say that. That's true. Because then they know. Because then you're being honest. (laughs) Yeah. Sneaky, yeah. Uh, today you had a,
0: you had a big day today. Do you want to tell everyone about it? Um, I did my first sermon of four. Um, we did a dad cast called the Four
1: Sermons a couple days, like I don't know, a well, month uh, or two ago. So, yeah. yeah, I've been prepping for these for a long time, probably 60 to 70 hours per sermon of prep time. Uh, this was on Genesis 3. The The reason there are four sermons they they've released me to do two so the other two are coming sometime down the pike but the the reason it's important to know may I maybe I said this in the beginning of the sermon but the a a Jew in Jesus day would have known that they needed that there were three major rebellions in in Genesis in chapter 3, chapter 6 and chapter 11 and those three rebellions need to be dealt with that's the, They were looking for a Messiah that would render those things correct. And uh, I think I said that in the sermon. So uh, I didn't? I don't
0: think so. Hmm. You may have alluded to it, but not like as clearly as you just said right here. Oh, okay. You definitely said that like they would know what this means because of... But yeah, that's good to know.
1: Yeah, yeah I mean, well, Genesis 3 is the fall where we we <coughs> disobeyed God. In the Garden of Eden. And we were th- yeah, we were thrown out of the garden. God rendered that. He took care of that he made a way back to him uh, but in genesis 6 there was a there was a, a rebellion where the angelic realm fallen angelic realm tried to usurp earth and take it away from us so we needed a messiah to overcome that a mm. messiah that was from a pure bloodline not from the angelic beings that tried to mess things up mm. Okay, and then the third rebellion was chapter eleven of Genesis, where a corrupt government tried to take over the whole world and wage a war against god Babel, Babel, tower of Babel, so we needed a Messiah that would correct all three of those and lead us correct you know in a righteous way and I'm making it real short because i don't right. I don't want to give another sermon right now, but so those are the things that the average Jew or first-century Christian would have known, but we have forgotten them. The medieval church, the Church of the Middle Ages, pretty much messed that up. And then in our own recent last 200 years, uh, the the Christian church has become very rational and very anti-supernatural, and they've thrown a lot of Scripture out with that, script, Scriptural principles that should be taught. So mm-hmm. anyways, there we go. I'm getting on another sermon.
0: So but I today you did your first sermon. First of four, yeah. Well, it's a, and it's on Genesis 3. Exactly. And so that's what we're bringing to you guys today. And it's it's not a super long. You know, you have the sermons. What's the sermon structure that I hear all the time? Three points in a song, right? Yeah, or I don't believe in that, but yeah. three Three points in a poem where they make three good points, and then they wrap it up with a poem, and then that's the sermon. It's a four-hour funny stories and jokes and yeah yeah not me that's not the typical the how many points did you have in this one I have I don't know seven thousand points
1: (laughs) I should look (laughs)
0: point one point two point three Um, but you did a good job of putting it all together in thirty minutes that's about thirty minutes and then you spent the next thirty minutes asking questions right which is really unique you never. Most churches I've gone to, the pastor doesn't finish his sermon and say, okay, guys, do you have questions on the things that just preached? Let's talk about that. Where are you guys at? What are things you're thinking? What's turning in your brain? And um, what was cool is with the questions that were asked, it almost like added another layer to your sermon. Mm-hmm. You know, it was like this, and then other people brought different aspects of what they've been thinking about. Like one guy asked about um, the serpent. Well, yeah, yeah. it's just cool. Except
1: we cut the. Cur- we're not going to put that in the, in here because the question. That's for the Patreon. <laughs> the questions yeah. are for the Patreon. Is that what? It, yeah, okay. they they can't get the question. We're just doing the sermon.
0: We're just doing the sermon. No, um, yeah, the questions that the people asked will not be part of this right. audio broadcast that we're going to be sending you guys. This is just the sermon. Yeah, if you want to be a part of this live experience, you need to come to church. There you go. To our church. Yeah, the holiest of holies. I'm <laughs> joking. I'm joking. <laughs> All churches yes, are great. but yeah, that but that really adds another level to it. Yeah. I really, it was, it was good cool. hearing questions, and I couldn't answer them all. Yeah,
1: which I mean, is fine. Yeah, that means you're legit, <laughs> right? <laughs> I don't know how to answer that. that. Is a great question. I don't know it. Yeah, so somebody that, yeah. asked a question. I said I have been trying to figure that one out. So that was good. Yeah.
0: So, so um, but yeah, it was cool because you definitely recorded the the sermon, and so we get to like. M- pass it on to you guys so you get to listen so we'll uh should we wrap this up here let the people listen to the sermon and then we'll come back yep finish it up sounds good all right folks enjoy
1: okay timon wants me to record this all right what's that oh you're right thank you mr rogers thank you mr rogers i'm not gonna sing to you though (laughs) Okay. um, I've been talking to my wife about the things I'm going to teach. And she said, "Um, this is a little scary. She had to leave. uh, that One of my sons has a basketball game. But she goes, this is a little scary. So I just want you to know, I'm not teaching something new. I'm teaching something forgotten. The righteous Jews that were looking for a Messiah... Would have known that they needed to be saved from three major rebellions. The one that occurred in Genesis 3, the fall. They knew that we needed to be saved from the Watcher Rebellion in Genesis 6. We're going to talk about that next week. Where celestial beings trying to invade our space and take over. We'll just leave it there. And they knew that they needed to be saved from the rebellion that happened at the Tower of Babel where ungodly men led an ungodly, tyrannical government and tried to war against God in heaven. We needed a Messiah that would save us from all three. We've forgotten about Genesis 6 and 11, and we've dumbed down Genesis 3. Okay? So... All right, so the reason I gave you... um, my sermon notes is so that you can focus on what I'm talking about. You don't have to uh, scramble writing stuff down. And I'm going to um, stop every once in a while and kind of recap stuff, and then we're going to talk. We're going to have questions at the end, which is scary for me because what if you ask a question? I have no clue how to answer. But hey, I'm I'm just the guy, so (laughs) all right. I'm gonna read some of the stuff I'm gonna to comment to because uh, I'm better at reading what I've thought out, okay. We should know our purpose and we should know the strategy of our enemy. God taught us our purpose in the Garden of Eden. The Edenic mandate from God is that since we bear his image, we should act accordingly. We are to subdue the earth and expand the model of Eden everywhere, even now but the fallen realm has been running a psyop anybody military here yeah the the fallen realm has been running a psychological operation against us from the beginning and that is to obscure the past dumb down the supernatural and trick us to cooperate with our own self destruction okay so here's the default understanding i have always been taught about the garden event called the fall Adam and Eve were happy, Satan animated or entered a snake and then lied to them, and then everybody got in trouble. It's not that simple. Eden was more than a garden, and Satan is never mentioned in Genesis chapter 3. Ooh. So let's back way up and get a big picture. And first I got to get through some technical stuff. I'm going to, it's going to be a fire hydrant, um, but we've got to get through some stuff and that's why I've got a lot of it written out for you, so, okay. There are five major views of creation. Um, there's probably more than, but these are the major ones that I know of, and I'm not going to delineate all of them, but there's atheistic evolution, theistic evolution, progressive creationism, the gap theory, and young earth creationism. And I'm not going to go through the finer details. I have some of that there for you. Um, I, just so you know my bias, I tend to favor the last position, young earth creationism. It's advocates like Ken Ham are ardent defenders of conservative theology, which I am conservative in my theology. And young earthers certainly feel strongly, as I do, about protecting scripture from the onslaught of compromised Christian theology. But... It does not do well with the supernatural events of history that seem to occur before the creation week. So I must concede that some form of gap theory may also be a viable explanation. I wasn't there. I'm not gonna foist my convictions on anyone. Gap theory may also work, okay? So. um, Another thing we have to deal with is leftover theology from the medieval church, and that is that man and earth is the center of the universe, not so. We must also realize that for centuries, religious tradition has taught us a self-centered cosmology. That's the understanding of the universe. God, the universe, and its vast array of celestial beings do not revolve around us. We are loved by God, yes, but we are subservient to him, to Jesus. And you're all familiar with this, Colossians 1.16. For by him, that's Jesus, for by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him, not for us. First off, the universe was created by our Lord Jesus and for him. Taking the position of humans and Earth being the center of creation, as often the church tends to do, especially from the medieval church on, is a is foolish and selfish. And who always seems to be the center of self-deification? Satan, the fallen realm. Yeah. Second, the angelic or celestial realm may have been created before us. Um, I know if you hold young Earth position you may not believe that, but uh, I'm just saying there's a possibility. Hence, we are not the center of reality. We, we've been put into a story that's all that already started before we got here, okay? Job 38 indicates that the celestial realm witnessed Earth's creation. And in Genesis 1, 26, this may be a can of worms, but the us is not only talking about the Trinity, but the celestial realm. That was watching as Adam was created. Thus, the celestial realm is an advanced, supernatural, superintelligent, ancient, extraterrestrial group of created beings. They are not God. They are not God. I'm not a polytheist. There is only one God. But the celestial realm is much more powerful than we realize. Third, god's royal family was supposed to consist of two kinds of sons sons and daughters okay i'm not sexist sons and daughters okay thank you (laughs) uh we were god's family was supposed to um have heavenly sons and earthly sons and you you see i have all these references you can look at these later in the old testament the sons of god or the bene ha elohim that's hebrew can you say that bene ha elohim all right uh In the Old Testament, the sons of God always refers to celestial beings, not to people. So the Bnei HaElohim were appointed to govern the vast reaches of the second heaven, the universe. You can see I give some uh, indications there. The first heaven, that is to say earth, was to be governed by God's latest addition to the family, Adam and Eve they and their future offspring were appointed to subdue the earth and have dominion over it it is not until the new testament that humans take on the title sons of god and in galatians 3:26 paul reveals that through faith in jesus we actually become the sons of god like the celestial realm gotcha so old testament sons of god are celestial beings new testament we are becoming the sons of god we're Something's changing. Something's going on in the New Testament. Okay. I know I'm throwing a lot at you. We're going to, let's get to this last page here. The three heavens. I think a lot of people may be familiar with the three heavens. Some of you? Okay. In the beginning, God created the heavens, Shemiam, that's plural. He created the heavens and the earth. So, the third heaven. That's the place where Paul talks about that he knew a man that went to the third heaven. Okay. If there's a third heaven, then that means there's a second and a first. Okay. So the third heaven, uh, that consists of God's throne, right? The second heaven holds the invisible realm of celestial beings. Now, some say that this region only houses the fallen angels and demons, but in my opinion, I think that it's a thoroughfare both for the righteous and unrighteous entities, okay? So the second heaven realm is not only the sun, moon, and stars, the, the physical sun, moon, and stars, but it's where the host of heaven resides, and the host is the invisible army of celestial beings, okay? Now, the first heaven, that's where we're at. The first heaven consists of the earth and its atmosphere. And uh, I give reasons for that in Genesis 6. So basically, earth is the domain of humans, but it is influenced by celestial beings, good and evil. You may be wondering why I'm not saying angel, because angel is a title, and we tend to use it as celestial beings. But... Um... Celestial beings is a better or sometimes I say entity. Okay so an angel just means a messenger. Um, Okay so we don't need to get into that. All right so let me recap this stuff and then we're we're gonna go on. My daughter's laughing at me. (laughs) You're enjoying it? Okay good. She drove all the way from where? Okay she drove a long ways to see me. Thank you Dessa. Okay, we may have different views of how the earth and the universe started, but we must conform to a Christ-centered view of cosmology, of how the universe is made. It's Christ-centered, okay? We are not the center of the universe. Jesus is. We were placed into a story that started before we got here. And the universe is filled with multiple celestial beings that differ in form and rank. Think about how amazingly diverse the Earth, the creatures of the Earth are human and animal. What's, why should we think there's only one form of angel and that's it? No, it's, it's vast. The unseen realm is vast. Um, and there may be a gate, or um, the, uh, Eden, there may have been a portal into the Garden of Eden because Eden is where God resided. So there, somehow, there's a gate into Eden. I don't know how to explain it because I wasn't there, but um, Adam and Eve were allowed access into the third heaven realm to commune with, with the Lord. Okay. Would somebody like to volunteer to read Genesis 3, just the first seven verses? Anybody? Who's brave? Come on, I had to get up here. (laughs) Who's got a booming voice? All right, Aaron. Thank you, Aaron. Huh? You, You just stand up and read it. Just the first seven, we won't go through the whole verse or chapter. Oh, you have a phone. I'm old school, I have a book. Genesis Genesis 3, 1 through 7? Yeah, please. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God actually say, you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden. But God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden. Neither shall you touch it, lest you die. So if they together and made themselves the Lord costs. Thank you. okay, who is at fault? Adam and Eve, okay, so this is not you I know, don't throw women under the bus, okay, just so you know. Um, I want you to notice something in verse, I think it's verse four. Uh, this is the tactic of the fallen realm the the snake says the serpent says, surely you shall not die. Okay, so he takes what God said, then he twists it so there's a, so there's a question. And then he replaces it with a half truth and a deception. He said that God was hiding something from them. And then he claimed that if they ate from the tree of knowledge, they would become like the Elohim, like the gods. Well, Adam and Eve ate, and they did know good and evil, like the Elohim, the, the uh, celestial realm, who are fallen, some righteous, some, well, most are righteous, some are fallen, okay? So they became like them, but they didn't die immediately. <laughs> so the strategy of the enemy is to take what God says, twist it, and then add some dark wisdom into it, and um, basically to create your own self-destruction, okay? Um, So the rest of the story, you know, uh, Adam and Eve realized they had sinned, they tried to hide, Uh, later on, God is walking through the garden, by the way, when when there's a physical manifestation of God, it's going to be the second person the Trinity, Jesus, right? Okay, so, and you know what happened, and then they get in trouble. Okay, so we're gonna move on. So let's explore who this serpent being was, because I had said in the beginning, Satan's nowhere in the text of Genesis three, okay? Uh, it, And I say here, okay, so, It may not have been the entity that we call Satan, because that name never appears in Genesis 3. And and, uh, I've got the verse, the next verse, I think. Now the serpent, if if you notice. Okay, that's all I have. Okay, the serpent, that word there, serpent, is Han Nakash. The, Han is um, a definite article. so. The Nakash. So that's the Hebrew word for the serpent. Okay. So we automatically think that Satan, it's Satan that we're talking about here because we've been trained to assume that what, there's one fallen entity in particular that has the name of Satan and he's the arch nemesis of God. But this is an assumption. Satan is not usually, we're going to get into some weird stuff here that you may not understand, but Satan is not used as a personal name in Genesis 3. In fact, it's not named used as a personal name except possibly once in the whole Old Testament. Okay? So, Nakash, the serpent, is what is the entity that is in Genesis 3. Um, And I I outlined here that uh, later on in the New Testament, we do see Jesus calling Beelzebub Satan. Okay? And then also John in Revelation 20 links Satan to that old servant. So if some people argue that this being in the garden is Satan, it, we can assume that. It's an argument that goes either way. But I just want to unravel the fact that we assume things. Uh, for instance, when we think about the Ark of Noah, we see this little boat with a pointy bow and two draughts sticking out. Well, that not what I, that's not the ark okay so the same thing here we assume this is Satan well that's that's it's it's more complicated than that so okay you have to be aware of how the Old Testament uses this phrase the Satan or else you will actually misread certain patches of passages the Old Testament most often uses the Satan as a title not a name like Job 1 6 where hasatan, or the Satan appears before God and his divine counsel to accuse Job of moral insincerity. The word hasatan there is not a name, it's a title, the position of a court prosecutor. So we don't know the proper name of the fallen entity that was looking to destroy Job. Okay, now this, I don't want to get into it, but I have actually looked into almost every almost every version of the English Bible has Satan. They drop, in the Hebrew text it says the Satan, but in the English text it just says Satan and they capitalize it. So the translators have made, in Job one, they make that entity a proper name. It's not there, it's not in the text. For instance, you don't call me the J, (laughs) you can't. <laughs> Only Donald Trump calls himself the Donald, right? So when we have a, Hebrews-like English, when there's a definite article in front of another, a noun, it's, it's a title, the mailman. You don't call him mailman. If I was a mailman, my proper name would be Jay, but if you're saying the mailman, it's, it's a title. Does that kind of make sense? That's how Satan is used um, everywhere except one, chapter, but I'm not going to go down that because it's, it's a whole different. Yeah, but there's. Yeah, OK. <coughs> Get off the bunny trail, right? OK, back to the garden. <laughs> In the Hebrew text, this rebel is being called Han Nakash, the Nakash. Now, this is fascinating. As a noun, Nakash means serpent. Think more of a dragon rather than a snake. OK, that's more that's properly what it is. As a verb, the word nakash means a deceiver or a diviner, it's what, somebody who has spiritual wisdom. As an adjective, nakash means bronze or an object that is, it is actually radiant from glowing from within. So all three meanings of that word are at play in Genesis 3. So the ideas of luminosity, the serpentine features, divine wisdom, all relate to the divine, uh, divine throne guardian being. Both Hebrew and Gentile readers would have instantly understood this concept. Both seraphim and cherubim are known as guardians around God's throne. So the Hebrew word seraph in Isaiah 6, especially relates here because it, its meaning derives from a burning, fiery serpent being. So the nakash may have been one of the highest-ranking beings in God's celestial realm. Okay. So this entity was not a snake from the animal kingdom. He was a fallen celestial being from the third heaven realm, perhaps a seraph. Note, he talks, he's super intelligent, and he is judged as a sentient being. A sentient being means you have the ability to make moral decisions, and animals are not judged as moral decisions. Um, entities, right? So so it's not a snake. It's something more, okay? The first curse uttered in the Bible is Genesis 3.14, and it's placed upon the Nakash. Cursed are you above all livestock and above all beasts of the field. On your belly you shall go, and you shall eat, and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. And just as an aside, the word dust is the word "aretz," which often um, is linked to Sheol the under, the, the, in the underworld, okay. Uh, he was cursed to crawl through the earth and eat its power. Isaiah 14 and Ezekiel 32 indicate that he was doomed to crawl through the underworld where the ancient rebel warrior kings reside and await final judgment. And as I said earlier, Eve is not startled to be questioned by him because he's a celestial being, not an animal. Remember, she's in Eden, where the natural and supernatural melt together, where there was access to celestial beings. Okay, so she was used to talking to celestial beings. Her and Adam communed with celestial beings, all different ranks, because they were in the third heaven realm, okay? All right, let me recap that. Satan, is usually a name. It's usually not a name, it's a title. Okay, so we don't know the proper name of the rebel in the garden, and maybe it's better that we never know. The Nakash was an anciently wise, cunning, dragon-like, brilliant entity. The Nakash was most likely a seraph garden from before the throne of God, one of the highest ranking beings in the third heaven realm. Okay? Let's talk about the hatred of our enemies. We have enemies. Right, Jeremy? We've got a battle going on. hmm. I was telling Jeremy, I'm, it's interesting that he picked these songs about battle. So, it's not a coincidence. <laughs> All right. Um, Just after the above curse in Genesis Genesis 3.15, we see that God prophesies the beginning of a war of two opposing seeds. That has not been resolved even to this day. And it says in Genesis 3.15, I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring, your seed, in other words, seed, and her offspring. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. So there's this war between the seed of Eve, us, and the seed of, of the enemy, the Nakash. And one day, a descendant of Eve, Jesus the Messiah, would crush the head of the Nakash and restore our place in the kingdom of God. But it isn't only, listen to this now, it isn't only Jesus who wins this war, the saints also participate with their warrior king, Romans 16, 20 says, the God of peace will soon crush Satan underneath your feet, saints, your feet. Okay. So we were born into a war that we are expected to win. <laughs> Isn't it interesting how God always takes the last and makes them first, the weak and makes them strong? God's economy is different than ours. Okay. The Nakash and the fallen realms started this war against us and it has never stopped. They have plotted against us through through Cain the murderer, through the watcher rebellion of Genesis 6, through the rejection of God at the Tower of Babel. They plotted against us by reintroducing giants into the promised land before the conquest. By luring Israel into idolatry and witchcraft during the history of the Confederate tribes and the monarchies, they plotted against us through the seducing heresies of the early church period, through the utter apostasy of the medieval church, all the way through the negligence of the modern church. And they are plotting now for the future Antichrist war against God's true remnant. Why did the Nakash lure Adam and Eve into rebellion? He may have been part of a coalition of rebels who had fallen before the creation week. They in turn sought either to replace humanity or merely entrap us into rebellion with them or both. The plan would either destroy us or lead us into outright self-destruction. This would force God's hand to execute Adam and Eve and ban them from the tree of life, which would kill them slowly. Any of these schemes would have the same effect. It would hurt God, ruin us, and give them dominion over our territory. They would be the ultimate squatters, and they are. Our job is not just to occupy and barely hold on till Jesus comes back. We need to kick these squatters off our territory. Yes, so let me reiterate here. The fallen realm started a war against us that rages to this day. They lured us to join their rebellion in order to cut us off from the tree of life. And we were born into a war we must come to terms with because God expects expects us to win. He prophesied it. Okay, I have a challenge. You see this serpent mound up here? This is in Ohio. There are serpent mounds all over the world. You see what that's, that's a snake there. This, and what is it eating? The seed of the woman. Uh uh-uh. uh. God says, no. The snake, the serpent will not win. I challenge every father and mother here find the lost calling of your lineage, the one God assigned to your family, and weave that identity into your children. I challenge every single or divorced or widowed believer here, hang on to what God called you to. He's not done with you yet. And I challenge every young person here, dig into the complexity and depth and adventure of God's word. It's more exciting than Hogwarts. (laughs) It's more vast than the realms of Narnia and the black gates of Mordor melt at Jesus' feet. It's the religious church that made Scripture boring. It's the religious church that made Scripture anemic. And Jesus is coming back to smash that kind of religion. In conclusion, God's plan was for Adam and Eve to take dominion of the whole earth, to enjoy the process of multiplying righteous families while subduing the wilds of creation and making it like the Garden of God, like Eden. The Nakash hated God's plan and God's newest family members, humans. So he lured humanity away from God through deceit. He spoke as if he were God with a lie wrapped in spiritual wisdom. This witchcraft was an attempt to bar Adam from his rightful seat of dominion and to make the dragon serpent ruler of the earth and of Adam. The whole plan backfired. Instead of becoming lord of the earth, the head of the Nakash would be crushed in the soil He was sentenced to become Lord of the dead. Adam and Eve were also locked outside the Garden of Eden, but God, I love this, I have all these but God statements in my sermons, but God in his infinite mercy had a plan of redemption for them. A future Messiah would mend our broken relationship with God and allow us to rule with him. These things are important to grasp. Yes, much was lost after the fall, but not all. Sin has put us at a disadvantage, but because of God's mercy, we are still here. We still have things to take dominion of. We still are called to subdue the earth with the gospel and reinstitute the Edenic vision as much as possible. Make your home and your community a place covered by the peace of God, a place where he is accessible. Right now, we don't have access to the tree of life, but we do have access to the scripture to the fruit of the spirit and to fellowship with Jesus. These things will sustain us until all things are restored. Amen.
0: Okay. All right, I think we're back. That was long-winded. Who is that guy? <laughs> he talks too much. Yeah. Yeah, I think we're good. Um yeah, I think we're gravy. Uh, yeah, uh, way way too much. You talked way too much. Those. Yeah. Thanks. Uh, no, I was just joking. That was good. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, thanks for doing that. Um, hopefully, people at home really enjoyed that.
1: Oh uh, no, I yep. did while. And the recording was sounded okay. okay? I I'm, I'm, I just threw a microphone up there, and yeah, I think yeah. it sounded okay. okay. We'll see. Right. We'll see what listeners. We'll... If it doesn't, yeah. Too bad.
0: <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Come to our church. That's probably the best way to listen. There you go. There you go. Uh, there was a lot of different questions that were asked and um there's two that kind of stood out to me so I thought maybe we could kind of dive into those after this real quick just just to wrap it up. Mm-hmm. Uh there was a lot of information there and it's pretty interesting information. uh, stuff that maybe not everyone has heard before. Mm-hmm. Um So feel free to go back in the lesson a couple times. You had notes. I I don't know how I could get those notes to people because those notes were really... It's about five pages of notes. Yeah, just like boom, boom, boom. So I don't really know where I could get those
1: resources to you guys, but maybe I can figure out a way. I have extra copies. Uh, I made 50, and I had like three or four left. So if people want, they could contact you, and somehow we can get them to them. Because because as I spoke, I didn't say everything, and I didn't cover every verse.
0: Right. You did a good job. For listeners, he did a good job. What he talked about was literally like almost word for word in your notes. So you have that almost all written out. Mm-hmm. Like your whole sermon that we just did is all written out. Right. So, yeah. Do you have a Word file somewhere? Is that how you printed it out or what? Uh, oh, yeah. So, yeah, I could just send it yeah. to you by email. Oh, okay. Um, that would work. Yeah, reach out to me on social media, and if you want that, I could try and figure out a way to send that to you. I could figure out a way. Yeah, it's in Word. Yeah. Per- or whatever. whatever It's podcast at Um, gmail.com. Okay, so one question I had for you is, and this was a question from the audience that happened after the sermon. Where where does, you know, this isn't really being taught about. This isn't something that you go and there's three points in a song Mm -hmm. about this. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Sermons aren't being really preached on this information. Um, Where can you find, how did you find this information and how... Can someone else also start digging in and learning about this topic or other topics of the Bible like that? Like, where, who, how do you direct someone to digging in deeper to find stuff like this?
1: Yeah, you're going to have to go to multiple sources. Uh, So, one thing that I've been blessed with, um, I kind of said this this morning, is um, I went to seminary, but seminary doesn't teach this. And I didn't have very much. Support, so I had to quit seminary, and uh, I. Th- so what God has graciously done is that I am now in a job where I listen to about twenty hours per week of podcasts, and I also read articles when I get home from scholar scholarly articles. Mm-hmm. Okay, so now, um, so some of the resources I use are. Uh, Dr. Michael Heiser, and he has a podcast called The Naked Bible. He is a scholar. He's he's going to be harder to... Uh, um, he, he's really good about trying to explain things um, be, because the elite scholarly class has a whole bunch of language that's hard to get through sometimes. Mm-hmm. But he ha- has a real heart for people to know what's going on. But it is very... You, sometimes you have to listen. He also has a book... Several books, but one of them called is called the Unseen Realm, which I've dug a lot of information out of. So, Doctor Michael Heiser. There's certain people that hate him, but oh well. Uh, Derek. Certain <laughs> yeah. people that hate
0: every certain person. Yes. <laughs> That's just how it
1: is. Uh, Keep going. Yeah, uh, Derek Gilbert. He has a thing, a podcast called uh, "The View from uh, a View from the Bunker." a view from the bunker. So he, uh, he interviews a lot of scholars and non-scholars, but people that are talking about stuff like this. Um, so those are two really good resources that there are more that I listen to, but those are the two I'd recommend. Like I said, I'm listening to probably five to 10 different resources. And then, then I go back and find articles connected to those, you know, those things. And, um, and as I said today, that it's important to realize that there, there's, a, there's kind of three communities in Christianity. There's the scholarly people at the top that are very elite, very hard to understand. There are a lot of them that love the Lord. There are a ton of them that are nerds and that are more of a nuisance and don't really f- have a heart for God, but they're very intellectual. I don't have anything to do with those people. They're a waste of my time. But there are a handful that actually know the Lord, have a heart for Scripture, okay? But they're not always easy to understand. That's the very top realm. The very bottom realm is a lot of people fill the church pews. I said this, or <laughs> That uh, they like church because it's got nice people and good coffee. Um, That's a shallow life to live. I mean, it doesn't mean you're not a. It doesn't mean you're not a Christian, but um, you know, you can't help those kind of people if that's all they're going to ever do the rest of their lives. And then there's this middle realm. There's a lot of people that are bored at church, and I got on. I got on it about this. This is why we're using our, losing our our youth, is they're absolutely bored with church because it is absolutely boring. Because they're not teaching anything adventurous, and Scripture is full of it. It's full of amazing things. Um, so there are people in the middle realm. I would be one of those people that I'm not. I don't get fed at church, and I don't expect to anymore. I I dig for stuff on my own. And there's a lot of people in what's called that middle realm. A lot of people that don't go to church anymore that are still walking with the Lord, and they're just finding ways to feed themselves. And that's a rebuke to the church. So, hmm. is that kind? Of, did I answer enough of that? Yeah.
0: Podcasts. I mean, you just get the scripture and you start. Well, I think maybe let me just give a practical thing. You start reading the Bible and you're like, "What does this mean?" And you start digging. Yeah. That that leads you start
1: unraveling things, mm-hmm. and, and and you will not get an answer right away. Yeah. Uh, like i like i said during the question time uh there's there's one thing that i have been it's been bugging me for two not bugging me in a bad way but for probably two years i mean i have dug i've looked and i don't have the answer yet that doesn't mean that there is no answer that, yeah there is an answer yeah i I'm, i keep touching on it. i'm like oh, oh, oh there's something there but um it's like a treasure And God enjoys it when you dig. (laughs) I don't, and I have been looking at this for two years. I can't figure it out. Hmm. And there are more that I haven't even looked at yet. I'm like, I can't deal with that one right now. But see, it doesn't bother me. It's just, I look at things that I don't understand as a treasure, a a nugget that I'm going to dig up. You'll figure it out. Yeah. And it's going to be really cool when you do.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Mm, That's good. The other thing that a lot of people, this kind of resonated with a lot of individuals is, um, you kind of did a call to action in the uh-huh. sermon where you talked about um <clears throat> challenging challenge yeah you challenged uh parents young young children divorced widowed uh single people you challenged all of them mm-hmm. and said that your calling is still there it's not it's not gone right. and uh you talked about you know with the parents like figure out what your calling is and then weave that calling into your kids lives Mm-hmm. um and with the a divorced a widowed single people you have a calling you're not he's not done with you yet he's not done yeah. with you yeah he's just right. getting started so uh, a lot of people that resonated with a lot of the people in our church and uh i thought maybe it would be good just to give a little background about how you found i mean you've known what your calling is and some aspects but like how have you found like specifically what your calling is and then how And it's not a one size formula that's right. It's going to be unique to each person, but what are some ways for them to figure out how Mm -hmm. to find their calling?
1: So, right, yeah, Uh, it takes years, I think, for God to trust you with. I I think he'll give you ideas and then he'll add on to them. So, when I was a young Christian, I just uh, suddenly fell in love with scripture, especially the Old Testament as a 20-year-old. So there's a beginning of a calling, right? Because, I, I, don't get me wrong, the New Testament's important, but the Old Testament is neglected. And um, I just had just this fascination with the Old Testament from... I I became a Christian when I was 19, so it wasn't long after that. Um, so I began to understand I have a calling for understanding and teaching Um, And then uh, over time, I began to see the Levites were a certain kind of um, tribe that God put a calling on them to. They they were different than priests. Levites were musicians. Some of them were construction guys. Some of them were military guards. Mm. But their overall... Calling, yeah. they're they. It's almost those who don't know. My
0: dad was in the military. He worked in in construction. Construction and is a musician. (laughs) Yeah, so that's why that's. Oh, I didn't think about that. That hits all three points. I didn't even think about Yeah, Keep going.
1: Um, so the the Levites were to spread out among. They didn't have a territorial place in the twelve tribes of Israel. They were to spread out in all the tribes, and they were to teach people about, um, you know, God's—it wasn't just the law, but who God was. That that was kind of what their calling was. And uh, they did serve at the main temple in Jerusalem. Um, a lot of times they would travel there for, I think, maybe they had a month on and then several months off or whatever. But they had different times when they served at the temple, but uh, most of the time they were back in their towns that were dispersed among all the tribes. And that's what, you know, that's what is on our family. I don't know how to tell you, I mean, just different scriptures God over the years has shown me that that call was put on our family and probably fumbled by some of my ancestors. And I'm not, I don't know who. So I don't have hatred in my heart towards our past generations, but I basically uh, come from a broken line, people that weren't following the Lord, and they were some time back. I went back to the 1700s and saw that we had some pastors and stuff in our, in our past. Whether, whether they're good pastors or not, I don't know, but it was there. So, um, yeah, that's, that's how I know that's on a, And then each one of you kids, I have five kids, and they all have different, a different flair or different taste or, of that Levitical call. Each one of you do. Mm -hmm. Um, It's still a Levitical call, but you're all different. You're you're not necessarily like like me, but but you still fit into that calling. And and it's just really cool to watch you guys grow up and have God put that on you. And yeah. Mm. So there's no method there. I don't know how to tell you how to figure it out, except that as you read and study Scripture, you'll he'll talk to you about it. Yeah. Relationship.
0: That, that was a big yeah. thing that you kind of hit on is, um, kind of have a relationship in order to hear what he's trying to tell you. Like, you yeah, be able to talk to him, spend time with him. Or yeah. When that's God, you know,
1: yeah. he'll give you a little bit more. Yeah. It has to be consistent too. the one, one of the greatest blessings in my life is that, uh, I read my Bible seven days a week for the last 40 years. I've probably missed three times that I, just didn't get it done, and what? Now it's not a chore. Uh, I I can't I can't read three, four, five chapters a day, but I'll read one chapter a day, and then God speaks to me in that chapter. But I've been doing that for forty years, so I've been through the Bible cover to cover twenty two times. It takes me about two and a half years to get through. Mm-hmm. So that's how I have come up with. It. Like I I look forward to meeting with the Lord. In the morning, because it's not like I gotta I gotta do five chapters, you know. Some people do. I mean, they can, and that's fine. I'm not against that, but for me, I don't want a chore. I want to meet with my father, you know, mm-hmm. and consistently. And again, if you don't do it every day, you're not going to go to hell. I'm, that is what I'm trying to say. So, but
0: that consistency builds relationship. Yeah,
1: and then he speaks to you over and over. So. Very cool. Yeah. Any
0: last things you want to say about the sermon or whatnot?
1: Next week, it will I mean, it'll be a, another one. That another you're doing. one. Yeah. Next week's gonna be pretty crazy about Genesis six. There's a lot of the church that is gonna that disagrees with the supernatural view of chapter six. But again, um, that's what the demonic realm wants. They want us to have a dumbed down version of the Bible that's manby pamby and there's no supernatural stuff in it. Mm. So
0: Yeah. Uh if you want to come listen to that live, that's what, October first? Uh second. Second. October second. Mission 72 in Goshen, Indiana. Yep. Uh I got to church. Let me just real quickly say I got to church at like ten forty five. We start church at ten. Got to church at ten forty five I sang one song and got the whole sermon. So you could come at probably even eleven and catch the sermon. You don't have to come for the whole two hours um though mm-hmm. you're more than welcome to come yeah. for the whole 2 hours so yeah the first ha- about hour, about, a li- about an hour is is uh, yeah yep so sweet all right well we'll catch you guys next week on the next sermon cool peace peace peace